in my opinion, there's nothing better than comfortability. And when I walk into a room, I don't want it too hot. I don't want it too cold. And we have just the sponsor to bring to you to make that happen. His name is Nat Anderson, and Nat Anderson has been doing heating air for several years. He's done it in several towns, but right now he's based in Jonesboro, Arkansas. So if you're in northeast Arkansas, you need to contact Nat Anderson at 870-935-1155. And as always, let Nat know that the Crucial Conversation sent you, and you will not be disappointed. Has the conversation ever let you down? The answer is no, and we don't start today. Finding Strength in Struggle and Purpose in Pain is what the book No Mess, No Message is about by Dr. April Jones. Dr. April Jones in this book will encourage you and strengthen you through all of your hurts, all your struggles, and it's going to give you hope for tomorrow. Dr. April Jones also has a website where you can download her book and a lot of the products that she sells at thedrifteddrum.com. Tony, tell me a little more. Put in promo code CRUCIAL and you can get 10% off your entire order. Not only do you get the 10% off, but she's even going to throw in a free companion journal. Anything that you see on that website that you like, make sure you put in promo code CRUCIAL and get 10% off your entire order. What a great friend to have, a part of the Crucial Conversation. When you're in Jonesboro, Arkansas and you're hungry, the best place to go and find a quality meal is at Lazari Italian Oven. They're located at 2230 South Caraway Road in Jonesboro, Arkansas. They do pickup orders to go and dine in. You can call Lazari Italian Oven at 1-870-931-4700. Tony, what would you suggest to get there? Anything. It's all great. Make sure you go by there and tell them that the Crucial Conversation sent you. You won't be disappointed when you go to Lazari Italian Oven. But I'm not going to lie. I do like that number 224. Go find out what that is for yourself. Go check out Lazari Italian Oven. Hey, guys. This is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. the name of the Lord in this house. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise today. He has been faithful. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'm so glad to see you in the house of the Lord today. Uh, I, I want to I want to acknowledge our dads. I want to acknowledge the men that our fathers, and I want to tell you, a father is a special, special thing. If you're a dad, would you stand today? We want to honor you. I thought LJ was standing there for a second. Look at this. Could we give our dads a hand? Thank you, dads. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. 1 Corinthians records this, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. I had someone call me this week, maybe last week. My, my weeks run together. Does that happen to you? They, they called me and they said, my child is my life. My child is so important to me. My child is my life. 
And I got to thinking about that and, and what a blessing it is for children to have fathers. And while I did not have a physical father that grew, I grew up in the house with, the church became everything that I lacked. The church became everything that I needed. And the Lord used the church to give me that direction that I needed as a young man. And I am grateful. And so I look at dads today and I think what a blessing it is for that man to be a father because it is a challenge to be a father sometimes. But men, I want to encourage you today. Those of you that stood, I want, you know, on, on Mother's Day, uh, we, we give them flowers and there's balloons here and, and it, everybody's all excited and, and, and the place is packed out on Mother's Day. Everybody comes and celebrates Mother's Day. I mean, after Easter and Christmas, it is the next largest holiday. The Hallmark gift card industry says that that's the, that's the next largest holiday. And, uh, and then comes Father's Day. So we, we, we talk about moms and we lift moms up, but I want the men that are dads in this church, I want you to know how incredibly important you are in the life of your family and in the life of this church. Men, you are critical. You may be a little messed up at times. We all are, but you're mighty. You're mighty, and sometimes you don't even recognize it. Today, we celebrated... Um, we, we, had, we had Thursday night, we had Donna Bricky came and she got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ right here. And we celebrated with Donna. So thankful for what God is doing. And, uh, and then we had, uh, we had Freddie in the first service today, we had him come up. He, he, uh, I asked him what happened to him. And actually, I went to him before service, and I said, I want the church to know what happened to you at a Bible study Thursday night, Freddie. And he said, well, I, I'm, I'm not very talkative. I, I said, Freddie, look, I'm going to ask you what happened, and you, you just have to say, I got the Holy Ghost if that's what happened. And he said, okay, I can do that. So I got Freddie up here this morning, and, uh, and I held the mic. I do that sometimes. I held the mic, and Freddie, I thought he was going to start preaching. He said, I started praying. I started asking God for the Holy Ghost. This is what Freddie said. He said, and boom, boom, I got the Holy Ghost right there, right there in the Aiton's house. Aren't you thankful for boom every now and then? A little power of the Almighty. Oh, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful. And after church, he said, he said, I've got some people in my family that are telling me the Holy Ghost is not for us today. And I said, well, you people believe someone when they say the Holy Ghost is not for you today, people will believe that unless you've received the Holy Ghost. Once you've received the Holy Ghost, nobody can convince you that it's not for you today because a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an opinion. Once you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you can tell anybody who comes in your path. It's not just some story I heard or something I read in some book somewhere. It happened to me. Aren't you thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost that works in our lives today? So I want you to be encouraged, man. I want you to be lifted up. And I want to say Happy Father's Day. And I want you to know that you're mighty. You're mighty even when you don't feel like you're mighty, I want you to know when you walk out of these doors, I want you to know some things. When you don't feel like you're mighty, Dad, you are. When you don't feel appreciated, you are. 
when you don't feel like your life is going anywhere, you're going somewhere. When you don't feel respected, men want respect. Ladies, if there's anything men want, it's respect. And, and women. Men like women. I don't know if y'all, know, if y'all figure that out yet or not. But, but they want respect. They, they want respect. And even when you don't feel respected, Dad, you are. Even when you have flaws in your life and you don't feel like a great dad, if you're present, you're a great dad. If you're there, you're a great dad. Even when you don't feel like the best husband, I want you to know that you are. And any shortcoming that you have, God can help you and work through that with you. But when you look at people that God used, not one time could I find, with, with one exception in the Old Testament, I can't find anybody that God used. Derek is perfect. We're flawed. Everybody say, I'm flawed. We, we know that we are. We can't measure up to Him. We can't measure up to our God. And so I started thinking, all right, what can I do on Father's Day for the men of our church? How can I lift them up? How can I help them feel encouraged? And, and what, just what can I do? And so immediately I went to start looking through the Word of God. And I came, I came there very early in Genesis to this guy named Abraham. How many of you have heard of Abraham? Raise your hand. Hi, if you've heard of Abraham. Okay, hold on, hold on. Looks like most everybody, with a couple of exceptions, have heard of Abraham. He's mentioned in the Word of God 230 times. He was the father of the faithful. Elisha, a double portion. You heard of Elisha? He's mentioned 73 times. And Jacob was touched by an angel. He's mentioned 345 times. Noah saved his family by the building of an ark. And he's mentioned 48 times by name. And Job overcome great adversity, mentioned 63 times. David, a man after God's own heart, 895 times his name is recorded in the Word of God. Moses led God's people out of bondage, 783 times we hear about him. Paul turned the world upside down and his life around. And he's mentioned 73 times by name in the Word of God. So I thought, what can I do to talk to our men? And here's the thing. Some of our men don't like the spotlight. They don't, they, they just don't. They don't, I mean, I, I look, we have, we have some incredible men in our church, uh, and, and I'm thankful for you all. But, but I look at some of you, and, and you never want the spotlight. I, I look at Brother Tippett, and he, he just, he's like, I'll, I'll do work behind the scenes. I don't, I don't have to be up front. Uh, Brother Harold Goolsby Sr., I see him back there, and, and he's, he's the same way. Uh, Harold Jr., he's the same way. They, they just they don't have to have the spotlight. And so I tried to find somebody that, that uh, was a little obscure, a, a, little, a little perhaps uh, misplaced in the Word of God, if you will. And so I found this guy. His name is Shamgar. How many of you have heard of Shamgar? Tony, because he heard me preach this morning. If you, besides this morning, y'all are messing me up now. Besides this morning in the nine o'clock service, how many of you have heard of Shamgar? I see you, Tim. Okay, right here. Got a Bible student over here. 
Shamgar. Shamgar is mentioned, you won't believe this, his name is mentioned twice. In all the word of God, his name is mentioned twice. So it's hard for me to read about, about David and, and read all the scriptures that mention David. 895, we'd be here for a while. We'd be here well past your lunchtime. So I'm not going to preach about David. I'm going to preach about Shamgar, and I'm going to read you both of the times that his name is recorded in the Word of God. It is powerful. It is powerful what Shamgar did. It's powerful who he was. It's powerful how he dealt with his circumstances. And I want our dads to know that you don't have to be out front where everybody sees you. You don't have to be in the spotlight. You can be rock solid right where you are. And you can take the challenges that life brings you. And so if you would, turn with me to Judges chapter 5 and verse 6 if you have your Bible. Judges chapter 5 and verse 6. And then we'll go to Judges 3 and 31. Judges 5 and 6. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied and the travelers walked through byways. The travelers found shortcuts behind the scene ways, but they couldn't get from the point where they were to where they wanted to be directly. They had to find their way around. There's something about direct travel. Uh, I've walked down sidewalks and I thought, why did they put the sidewalk 100 yards from the building? And i got to walk all the way around because i got to follow the sidewalk. And I read a story about a university that built their campus and they didn't, for the first several years, they didn't put any sidewalks anywhere on the campus. They just waited to see where the students would walk and the path where, where the grass was wore down. Then they came back a few years later and they put the sidewalks where the pathways were and they found that that was the most efficient way. And so we, we want to travel in an efficient manner, but sometimes we can't. And in Shamgar's day, the highways were unoccupied and the travelers walked through byways. Now, I want to tell you why the highways were unoccupied. The highways were unoccupied by the nation of Israel because they were occupied by the Philistines. The Philistines had come in and taken over the highways and caused them to not be able to go where they wanted to go in a timely manner. And then let's turn to Judges chapter 3 and verse 31. And this is the second time that he's mentioned. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which... And, and I, I want you to get this because we hear a lot about him and, and then we hear just an afterthought, okay? Which slew the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. So, so the writer is saying he killed 600 men. Oh, and by the way, he delivered Israel. He delivered those people from where they were. And I want you to know, Dad, Shamgar was not one of these guys who had it all. He was a farmer who carried an ox goat. Now, some of you didn't know who Shamgar was. How many of you, how many of you know what an ox goat is? More of you know what an ox goat is. Again, because you were here at the 9 o'clock service, but except Sister Ruth. Sister Ruth was here. She, she knows what I'm, So an ox goat, historians tell us it's a pole. I should have got a mic stand over here. It's a pole about 10 feet long. It's pointed on one end to goad the ox. 
you have, to, you have to move the ox. You have to get the ox moving. So you carry around this stick, and when the ox isn't where you want it to be, you goad the ox and get them to go. I guess you goad them to get them to go. And, and so that's what one end of the ox goad was for. The other end was flat and sharp, and farmers used it to dig, to remove debris, that stuff that was growing that shouldn't be there. They, they, and so what happened, here's the thing. Shamgar was a farmer, and he was probably going through life thinking, God, why do you have me here? Have you ever thought that? Why am I here? Why am I going through this? And so he takes his ox goad, and and he's doing what he does with the ox goad, but what he doesn't know is that every time he moves a beast with that ox goad, every time he plucks up a root with that ox goad, there's something transpiring in him. He is being trained for what God has prepared for him, and he doesn't even realize it. He thinks it's just an activity that he's going through. The things that you face today will train you to defeat the enemy that you have to defeat tomorrow, and all you have to do is be faithful to God. All you have to do is say, God, I'll take what I have in my hand and I will use it for your kingdom. You know, he could have backed up and said, this is an ox code. <clears throat> if God really wanted me to fight the Philistines, surely he would have given me a sword. There's a million reasons why you can't do something in the kingdom of God. There's a million reasons why. You can look and say, well, <clears throat> I just don't have what I need. I don't have the things that I need to overcome the enemy because all I have is this pointy stick. That's all I've got is this ox goat. I'm here to tell you, men, I want you to hear your pastor today. What you have is enough. What you have in your hand is enough to overcome the enemy. What you possess in the kingdom of God is enough to defeat the devil. You serve a God that has never, not one time, has he ever been defeated. You are on the side of the Most High. And you can take that ox goad just like David took a stone out on the battlefield. It wasn't the most conventional tool. But if you take what's in your hand and you use it for the kingdom of God, God will bless you and your family. He didn't have much, and his world was a whole lot messed up, not a little messed up. They were, they were hunkered down, and they were hiding because the Philistines had overtaken them. And in a moment, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why the Philistines were there. But I want you to know that God uses people that are messed up. He uses people that aren't perfect. I'm going to let you on a little secret. I, maybe I shouldn't say this publicly, but I know. I'm your pastor, and I know. You're not perfect. I could call you by name. I could say, Tim Pills, you're not perfect. He's not, but he did bring me water. Thank you, sir. I could call you by name. I could, I could call you out. I could, Josh, I could bring you up here and say, Josh, you're not perfect. I could stand here and talk about myself and tell you that I'm not perfect. The enemy wants you to think somehow that you have to be perfect to be used in the kingdom of God or to lead your family. You do not have to be perfect to lead your family. All you have to do, men, is have vision. All you have to do is say, I think I want to go there. And if there's the road being blocked, I'll use whatever I have in my possession to clear the the way to remove the Philistines out of the way so me and my family can get where we need to go. I'm telling you, if you have vision in the Spirit, your family will follow you. If you have vision in the kingdom of God, what is vision? It is just seeing beyond what everybody else can see. You remember the old prophet? He prayed for, for Gehazi who was there with him. He prayed. He didn't pray, God, do a miracle, give us strength, do this, do that. All he prayed was, God, would you let this guy, he's so worried. 
He was looking out the screen door saying, man, there's an army out there. There's only two of us in here. What are we going to do? He was scared to death. And the old prophet just said, God, would you open his eyes? Let him see. He went back and he looked again and he said, "Ah, I look around and I see there's more for us than there is for them. There's more on our side than there is on their side. I want to tell you, Dad, when you're feeling isolated and alone, I promise you, there's more for you than there is against you. When you feel like the world is coming down on your shoulders, there is more for you than there is against you. There's more in your corner than you recognize because you are a child of the Most High God. Abraham, Abraham was a little selfish. You're, you may not remember, but Abraham told men, well, just take my wife. Leave me alone. Let me, let me go on. Take my wife. To me, that's somewhat of a weakness. That's a little. My wife's over there going, yes, it is. That's a weakness. Elijah. Elijah was depressed and Job was bankrupt and Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. I can go down the list. Samson was a womanizer. Noah was drunk. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied Christ three times. What's your problem? What is it that stops you from being great in the kingdom of God? What is it that causes you to not be able to be mighty in the kingdom of God? The disciples fell asleep while they're praying. Paul, a Pharisee, persecuted the church, came after the church. What happens is we carry this stuff that we used to be on our shoulders as if we are now. If you've been covered by the blood of the Lamb, old things are passed away and all things have become new. And that's just not the day you repent for the first time. That is an active process. You can start right now today where you are. You don't have to live in the past. You don't have to carry the guilt in the past. I haven't been a good dad. I haven't been a good father. I haven't been a good man. Brush that stuff aside and say, God, anoint me with your spirit so I can be what you've called me to be. You can start where you are right now in this very moment. You see, Shamgar said, I want to go over there. I have somewhere to go. But this farmer, this farmer wasn't like everybody else. He had vision. He said, that's where I want to be. And the people that are coming against me and my family, they're trying to stop me from getting to where I want to be. So he had vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And I want you to know that without vision, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision because vision causes you to see things that would be, be harmful to your family before everybody else sees them. When everybody else is saying, oh, that's fine, we'll just let that in the door. You see, men with vision can stand there and say, no, not right here, not right now. That's not coming in. Why? Because I can see what that's going to do. Vision allows you to see further than what you can see with the natural eye. And a vision caster is what every dad has to be. And it's what every dad is in this church. You may not have much right now, but if you have vision, you can share that vision with your family and you can say, you can put your feet down solid and you can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can speak to the enemy that's coming against you and you can take authority and dominion over that enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. And you can say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to back up. We're not going to go find a byway. We're not going to find a trail that's hiding down the road somewhere. 
declare, we're going to walk right down the highway. And if you get in our way, God has given me an ox goat I've been practicing with all my life. I've been carrying this thing around and I'll use what God gave me to overcome the enemy that comes up in my life. And it wasn't just one day 600 men came to Shamgar. It wasn't just one day they just piled in on him and he had to, had to defend himself against 600 men. No, what it was is every time he tried to go somewhere, the Philistines were there. Every time he wanted to go to point A, there was a Philistine between him and point A, and he took that ox goat and he slew the Philistine. You realize that in serving God, in being a good dad and a good father and serving God, they're, they're very closely related. It's not where you fight a battle one time and you say, all right, there it is, I'm done. Can I get an amen from somebody? Anybody believe that? That's the truth. We have to constantly fight the enemy. We have to constantly press against the enemy. We have to make sure that when the enemy tries to come into our life, that we're using the, the thing that God gave us to overcome what he wants to do. I, I call on his name when I need him. And, and you know, there's a scripture. The, 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 original, the original manuscripts didn't have punctuation. There's no punctuation in the original man, manuscripts. And so when, when you look at that, that verse, I, I, I just like to move the comma. I'm not, I'm not changing much. I just like to move the comma in that verse. Um, you, you've read it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. If you just move that comma just a little bit, it changes the whole complexion of that statement. When the enemy comes in like a flood the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I want to tell you, dads, when the enemy comes in, you've got someone on your side that has never once been defeated. You've got someone on your side that can overcome every adversary, every addiction, every dilemma, every fear, every anxiety, everything that comes into your heart that causes concern and causes you to be afraid of what tomorrow might hold. All of that is covered by the one name Jesus. You call on that name and he allows you to be used of him. And it's so important. It is so important that we are used of God. Because in the days of the judges, they didn't have a king. There was no king there. There was no king to hand out rules. There was no king to, to establish a society. So if there's no king, then there's no kingdom. If there's no kingdom then the culture is, is split up into, into little groups. And this is what the Bible says in the days of the judges. Every man did what was right in the sight of his own eyes. You want to talk about a mess. You want to talk about a wreck in society. When every man starts to do what is right in their own eyes. I may be old-fashioned. You can call me old-fashioned if you want to. But I'm going to preach that there are some absolutes in this book. There are some rights and there are some wrongs. And we need to pour those into our children. We need to pour those into our family. And we need to let them understand that when they make a wrong choice, there's a wrong consequence waiting on them down the road. And when we make a right choice, you see, the world wants to convince you that there's no absolute the world wants to convince you just make your own way if you make your own way and you make your own rules you build your own kingdom and you become you got it 
your own king. And there you are, ruling over your little world. And that's what happened in the days of the judges. But while they were doing that, while they thought they were wise in letting every man do their own thing, they weren't together. They weren't unified. There was no culture. There was no kingship. There was no kingdom to bring them together. And the enemy started filtering in and putting roadblocks on this highway and putting roadblocks on that highway and putting a roadblock over on this highway. And the enemy boxed them in because there was disunity in their life. There was no absolutes. I'm going to let you in on a little secret on what's going on in our world. No absolutes. They're confused. They're confused about who they are. They're confused about what they are. They're confused about where they're going. And they want you to, to think that that's normal. That that's the way that it's supposed to be. God didn't design us that way. We've not been given a spirit of fear, and we certainly haven't been given a spirit of confusion. We, we are walking in the soundness of truth. We're walking in the absolutes found in the Word of God. And I'm here to tell you that Shamgar was trying to get over there, and he wasn't trying to win a mighty battle. He was just saying, I have enough vision that me and my family need to get there, and there's somebody in the way. So I'm going to take this ox goat, and I'm going to defeat that Philistine. And every day he woke up, and he said, what's next? Who's next? I'm going to go here, and there'll be another Philistine, and another Philistine, and another Philistine. And as you go through life, if you take what God has placed in your hands and you use it for the kingdom, you will be an overcomer. An ox goad. An ox goad. The Philistines were famous for coming in and disarming their enemies. And you should understand this. Shamgar had nothing else to fight with. He had nothing else to fight with. You know, it's somehow ridiculous when you think of going out to battle with a long pointy stick. Fighting the Philistines with a long pointy stick. But I'm here to tell you when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No enemy will ever be able to overcome you. I, I'm telling you, I want to take the authority of the Word of God and I want to say, <clears throat> our weapons are not carnal. But our weapons, get this, our weapons are mighty. <clears throat> Our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And if you look at your life and you say there's some things there, a stronghold is a place where the enemy has taken camp and established themselves. Okay? A stronghold is where the enemy has established themselves. And some of you go through life and you think there's nothing, absolutely nothing that you, can't, that you can do about an enemy that has taken that place in your life. You feel like you're just going to have to live with that. But I'm here to tell you, you don't. You don't have to just live with the enemy there because the weapons of your warfare are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. You just have to use what God has placed in your hands and you can't be looking around saying, well, I could, I could fight if I had this. I could fight if I were over there. This was a farmer. A farmer. So I want to ask you, Dad, I want to ask you, if you'll do three things, if you'll do three things, these three things will help you mightily. They will help you in a great way. You'll overcome the adversary if you'll do just these three things. 
Start where you are. Don't wait to get to a place where you can start. Don't wait till you're good enough to say, well, now I can, I can go do exploits for the kingdom of God. Now I can lead my family. You'll never get to that place where you feel worthy because we are by nature unworthy. As a matter of fact, when we walk into His presence with our crown, should we be faithful to the end? We'll walk into His presence with our crown. And you know what we'll do with that crown that we have earned? Earned. We'll take it off. And we'll throw it at His feet. And we'll say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. What what does that statement mean that's going on in heaven constantly? It means that everybody else that's in His presence recognizes they are not worthy. Our great God (coughs) causes us to see that we are not worthy. Every time anyone walked into His presence, their, their impression or instinct was to fall at His feet as dead. To lay prostrate on the floor. To humble themselves in some way. And you know, I've told you before, I've, I've had people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, why did He do this? And why did I have to do that? No, I don't think you will. I don't think you're going to be pointing your finger at God saying, why did I have to go through all that hell on earth? I don't think you're going to be pointing your finger at God saying it was so painful, it was so hard, I felt so alone, you left me by myself. I don't think there'll be any of that. On this side, you might be thinking that you will. But when you walk into His presence and you recognize Him on His throne high and lifted up, all you'll do is fall to your knees and say, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb because He got me from point A to point B and I didn't overcome 600 enemies all at once. But when you look at the string of your life, you'll see that you with that little pointy stick are an overcomer of the enemy. You, Dad, you're an overcomer of the enemy. Start where you are. Use what you have. And do what you can. Start where you are. Use what you have. And do what you can. Stand with me across this building if you would. We're about to pray an anointing over our dads. The men that are here. You might never have the opportunity to have what they call 15 minutes of fame. You may never make the headline. Your wealth may not be covered by Forbes. Your good looks and awesome dress may not be covered by GQ. Your powerful golf swing may not be on the the cover of Golf Digest. You may never make those places. But the Bible said as an afterthought, and Shamgar delivered Israel. His name was mentioned twice, but he delivered a nation. Here's how I'm going to pray for you, Dad. I hope you find success. I hope you find success in the world. I really do. 
But when this life is over, I talked to my pastor today, and he told me, he said, there's something about being where I am when you look back over the course of your life and you know there's a whole lot more life behind you than there is in front of you. He said, you just look at things different. And you can build and you can work and you can educate yourself and all that's important and you should as much as you can. But Shamgar killed 600 Philistines and he delivered Israel. I want it to be said of every man in this church, they did exploits and they delivered their family. They, they were great in business and they delivered their family. They, they, had, they had a great 401k put back and they had great plans and, and they executed on those plans and they delivered their family. Let it be said that they were great fishermen and great hunters and great golfers and great sports fans and in Tim's case, wanted to be a great basketball player someday. Love you, Tim. But on top of all of that, let there be an afterthought that says, and, and they delivered their family. I'm going to pray a little different for us right now because I'm going to pray for the dads that are here and I'm going to pray for everybody who represents a dad that's not here today. I grew up without a dad. I came to church without a dad. I know what it's like to go through life without a dad, without having, without having that, that approval that I so desperately needed from a fatherly figure. And so when I pray today, I'm going to pray a covering over every dad that's here and over every dad that's represented here. And if you, let me tell you, if you don't have that fatherly figure in your life, God will put somebody in your life. If you'll subject yourself to it, God will put somebody in your life that will stand up and say, I can help you. I can lead you. I can direct you. I didn't have a real dad. He was gone out of my life for almost all of my life. For, for, for the most part, I barely knew him. But I talked to a man this morning that God placed in my life. And I put much stock in what happened in that relationship because he guided me and he directed me. And if you find yourself aimless without a dad in your life, there is vision that you need so desperately bad. And the church will be everything that you lack. You hear me? You don't have to duck your head. You don't, I'm, I'm cautious even about whenever we bring everybody to the front and we bring families to the front. I'm very cautious with this because I remember what it was like as a kid, as a young man in the church, for them to come around and say, all right, all of our families gather together. And I knew what it was like to be standing there. But inevitably, if you've got your whole family here, just, just pause a moment because I'm ministering to somebody. Inevitably, when they would do that, some family, Anthony in that church in Fort Smith, 3700 Kelly Highway, some family would say, Daryl, come over here with us. And the church became everything that I lacked. I could have easily gone through my life saying, well, I could do something for God, but... I don't have a heritage. I could do something for God, but I don't have this or I don't have that. I could have easily gone through life like that. And you can too, because we're all at a disadvantage and we're all imperfect. 
but God will anoint you to be the dad you need to be. And when you walk out of here, I want you to know you're mighty. I want you, matter of fact, I'm going to give you a t-shirt so that you don't forget you're mighty. I hope you wear it all the time. Because you're mighty men, dads. You're mighty men. In the name that's above every name, I pray right now over the dads of POJ, the men that are standing here and the men that are represented here. I pray a covering and a blessing over their life. I pray that you let them understand they are mighty men in the kingdom of God. They are mighty men in their family, even when they feel like they failed God, like they failed their family, when they feel like they've let everybody down. God, let them understand they can start right here, right now. And I pray the mighty anointing would rest on them as you give them vision. And when they have that vision, they take that vision and they give it to their family and say, here's where we're going, family. Here's where we're going in the kingdom, family. <clears throat> and if the enemy comes against you, if the enemy comes against you, you may not have a sword, but you've got that pointy stick you've been carrying around with you all your life. And you can use it. You can use it to clear the path so the next generation can walk in truth. So the next generation can live for God. If you know this song, I wish you'd just close your eyes.